Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I hope you're having a great week. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and I'm so happy to be here with you today alongside my friend, Tracy Steele. Tracy is a seasoned interior designer and ministry leader who delights in redesigning the interior space of the hearts and minds of women around her. Tracy is a military wife and mother of two and holds a master's in biblical and theological studies. She is a mentor, speaker, and the author of Images of His Beauty and A Redesigned Life. To learn more, visit tracymsteel.com. So I hope you enjoy this conversation today with Tracy as we discuss and uncover God's purpose when life doesn't always go as planned. Hello, Tracy. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. Hello, and thanks for having me. You have two children who you say specialize in teaching you to have greater patience and who bring endless amounts of energy, joy, and laughter to your toy-infested home. What advice do you have for women concerning God's design of the family? Well, Rachel, I definitely think that the family is one of the most beautiful designed things that we have by our loving God. You know, family, um, when I say that word, when I'm speaking to different women or just meeting even for coffee with friends, I know that that word family can conjure up quite a lot of different emotions, depending on who it is that you're speaking to. And because some of us, you know, come from very healthy and loving families and others of us just do not. And so I think a lot of us, we have hopes, you know, maybe what what our family is going to be like one day or, you know, that we're going to get married and it's going to look like this. And the truth is, is that they may not end up looking quite like what we had planned. But even if that is our case, even if you come from a family that maybe hasn't been the healthiest or the loving, God has a plan even in this. And I think too, the older I get, Rachel, I have defined family um, as something different as I used to. I think family doesn't necessarily mean those that we um, have a biological tie to, in other words, that uh, especially for your listeners that maybe if they're single or they're not moms yet or whatever, that they still have a family, even if they're not married. And that might be their spiritual family or those people that are in the church, you know, with them that I definitely consider our church body part of our family. And I have several girlfriends, Rachel, that I have met through writing community or through speaking or through ministry that have become like family to me. And I call them my family, my friend plus my family, right? And they have become even like family, but God has really designed the family then to be, you know, this, this group of people that we love and that we do life with, that we are um, to protect one another and to grow one another up in the faith and that we are to pray for one another because Rachel, I think you would agree that I think the enemy out there, he does not like family, you know, and you can see via the statistics right now that he is trying everything he can to break families apart, to cause disunity or what have you, because again, the family is something that is designed by God. And it's really, I, I would say maybe the foundation of our society or even mankind, right? Because from the beginning in Genesis, we see Adam and Eve, you know, God is saying, leave and cleave and go start the family. And so it's from the beginning. And I think it's just, again, one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given us. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Well, you are also a military wife. Yes. And so because of that, mm-hmm. you have become a professional mover. Yes. So like every two to three years, you have faced the challenges and blessings of making new friends or fam- <laughs> family. Yes, or a family. family. Or <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and, 
and a new home for, for your family. So how did you adjust with every move? Yeah, it's it's not been dull. I'll tell you that in uh, 12 years of marriage. So we just celebrated our, our 12th year on uh, this past weekend. Uh, we have moved six times. So six moves in 12 years of marriage, we've been all over this nation. And so the way that I have learned how to, to handle that, Rachel, is by two things. And that's simply to grieve what was and to embrace what is. Okay. So to grieve what was and to embrace what is, that's how I make it through all these moves. Because again, as a, as an extrovert, as a people lover, I can get so attached to the places and the faces that, you know, God has given me in all these different places that we've moved. And so when it is time for us to leave, it really feels like a rip, you know, in my heart or in my soul, you know, to say goodbye, it just, it tears me apart. And so the first couple of moves during our early years of marriage, um, um, I like to try to stuff that, you know, try to stuff the grief, ignore it. Um, I can remember saying, I'm not going to love, you know, this new person because I still love my girlfriend back in Albuquerque or my girlfriend back in Little Rock, you know, like I ain't going to love these new people. But you know what? That just made me miserable, which made the rest of my house miserable. And so now I have given myself permission. I allow myself some grace and some space to grieve the places and the faces and even the stuff. Because, you know, we we definitely have had a lot of garage sales. You know, over our, you know, we go from like 800 square feet to like 1200 square feet back down to like 300. No, I'm just kidding. But it's all over the map. And so even seeing, you know, like my kids toys or my kids' baby clothes, or my favorite microwave, you know, we had to put that up for sale. Like it was hard because we get attached <laughs> even to our stuff. Yeah. I've learned how to invite God into that grief and ask him how to help me out and how to, how to, you know, help me through that grief and how to let go. Because then secondly, I've got to embrace what is. And I know we like to say bloom where you're planted, right? Like that's so cliche, but it's true. And um, so I've had to learn how to embrace what is. I've had to also ask God sometimes at the same time as I'm still grieving to give me a new love, a new excitement for, again, the new places and the new faces and the new things uh, that I am going to encounter wherever it is that we have moved to. Because, you know, as military, we don't get to pick necessarily, you know, where we are moving. And so I've lived in a lot of places, Rachel, that I swore I would never live. And so I've had to learn also to how to initiate, okay, initiate, 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 put myself out there, seek out new people, new Bible studies, new ways to serve. Um, And it's hard because, you know, have I faced rejection? Absolutely. Um, Have I been the girl left out? Absolutely. Um, You know, but my security, my, my ultimate confidence that I've learned through all of these moves that I've learned through all of that and putting myself out there is that my ultimate security, my ultimate confidence is in Christ. And when I remember that, and when I, you know, come to him, when I don't even know where target is or where the post office (laughs) is, my attitude changes. And my attitude, again, it really does determine, I'm starting to see as the wife and the mom, it determines the attitude of our house. You know, that old saying, ain't nobody happy when mom is not happy. <laughs> like that is, yeah. that is so true for our house or for our home. And so if I'm excited and I'm ready to explore and put myself out there and try new things, guess what? My kids are going to be the same way. And so those are just some of the things that I've learned how to do over the years. 
Yeah. Well, you uh, love Pinterest mm-hmm. and you used to believe that you could create whatever the lovely pin before you depicted. <laughs> but you say that some of your inspired attempts left your family and blog readers laughing. How have you learned to laugh at your so-called failures? Oh my gosh, there have been so many and my blog readers will know that. Um, now, I've not always been able to laugh at myself, but I can remember one, I, I tried to create um, fruit roll-ups from scratch, okay? And so I got all the ingredients, like I followed that recipe to a T. And y'all know what fruit roll-ups feel like. They're supposed to be <laughs> like flexible and yeah. squishy and soft and gummy. Oh no, y'all, mine turned out like a sheet of ice or glass, or I mean, you could you could cut glass with the thing, I and mean, it was a weapon. <laughs> and I mean, it was so funny. I took a picture of it, and some Pinterest fail blog actually picked it up, and so the <laughs> thousands of people around the nation were laughing at my latest Pinterest fail. And you know, I mean, <laughs> it really comes down to again asking the Lord <laughs> over the years to help me let go of this I don't know perfectionist ideal or this perfect ideal I had of myself as a wife, as a mom, even as a friend or what have you. Um, And so the more that I ask the Lord to help me to let go of those things, the more he's helped me to really, uh, you know, let go of the perfectionism, let go of this need to control. Like I'm definitely a type A firstborn go-getter. And so this has been a process. And I think besides just asking the Lord, remembering to give myself grace has been huge. It has helped me to laugh at myself because you know what? God gives me grace, right? Whenever I mess up and slip up and I'm so quick to give my friends grace, or I'm so quick some days to give my kids grace or my spouse grace. And it's like, why am I not giving myself that same amount of grace? And again, as I've said it several times already, my kids are also watching my reaction to my mess ups, to my failures. And so if I'm going to laugh, they're going to laugh. If I'm upset and falling apart, they're going to learn to do the same thing whenever they mess up and have a Pinterest fail. And lastly, just something that I was thinking about recently in one of my quiet times is I was like, you know what? Our God also laughs. I really do. I think he is a God who is joyful. Um, Zephaniah 317, which I'm sure most of us know that verse, you know, it says that God rejoices over us with loud singing. And so I think God and Jesus, you know, they definitely laugh. And so if we are in their image, we should lighten up and laugh a little bit more at ourselves or just even the funny things that happen in this world because life is funny and a lot of what we do is funny too. And so if I can just remember that, you know what, the only person that is ultimately perfect is Jesus, then that gives me, you know, it it just kind of lightens my expectation for me to be perfect all the time too. And if I can remember that he shows me grace, that I can show myself grace that and things will become a lot funnier when I do so. Well, I think that segues really well into the next question. So you, maybe listeners may be listening to right now and perceiving that you may have a perfect life, but you Mm -hmm. are quick to say that it hasn't been. Mm -hmm. You say that there has been enough cancer, rejection, and drama sprinkled throughout it to resemble a movie on the Lifetime channel. But you also say that every tear has served its purpose. So... Tracy, what would you, um, I guess, what have you found to be the purpose in your pain? That's a great question. I think the biggest purpose, uh, Rachel, for my pain is that it has brought me to my knees and closer to my God. It truly, truly has like nothing else that I've ever experienced in my life. The pain has brought me to my knees and closer to my God. It has made me realize, I guess, how precious life really is. 
and how to better love and to enjoy the time and the people that God has brought uh, into my life. Um, I've seen pain uh, make others and hopefully me more empathetic to the pain of others as well. And I really love what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 540, where he says, blessed are the brokenhearted. Don't you love that? Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I can tell you that I have never probably felt so close to the Lord. I have never more felt his comfort or his peace than when I have been brokenhearted, than when I have been in pain. Because when life is going good, (laughs) I kind of tend to just think, hey, you know, this is all about me. I got it together. And that kind of, of happiness is so surfacey, you know, it's so fleeting, mm-hmm. but the, but the peace and the comfort and the blessedness that Jesus talks about that I have experienced in my pain, it has changed me. And it is what is what I find anyway, to be um, the greatest teacher. So, yeah. yeah. Well, an interesting fact about you is that you were a ballerina for 20 years, mm-hmm. Um, and, and because of that, you have felt the pressure of trying to weigh a certain amount mm-hmm. and you have felt the sting of rejection and have had to embrace failed dreams. How have you overcome your struggle with self-esteem and with how your body is made? Yeah. And this is one great example of some of the pain, Rachel, that, you know, I've walked through. So thank you for, for asking me that. Um, really, how have I overcome the struggle? It's simply by remembering uh, whose opinion counts. My husband loves to ask that of me because even now in my forties, you know, after having two babies and not being, you know, in the gym as much as I'd like, my body continues to change. Right. And, you know, all the hormones that we gals go through in our later years, it will change the way we look. And so my husband loves to ask me every day whose opinion counts. And he doesn't mean his, by the way, he means God's. And so whenever those thoughts come or whenever I start to struggle, I have, or whenever I'm triggered, maybe by the holidays or by, you know, again, just whatever it is going on stress or something, I've got to go back. And this is what I do now, but I take my thoughts captive. Okay. And I replace them then with what God says about me, that I am loved, that I am beautiful because I'm in his image, not because of what the bathroom scale or the bathroom mirror are showing. Besides taking my thoughts captive, I do other things like I have accountability partners. I have women who I know um, that know the Lord, that know his word, that they can help me when those thoughts or in those seasons where I struggle, they can say, okay, you know, let's do this or let's do that or let's think this way. So I think accountability is huge to helping us overcome our struggles. Um, I've been in counseling before. Yes, I believe it is a-okay for a Jesus-loving woman to be in counseling or therapy. There are men and women and doctors that God has gifted immensely to have the the skills and the training to help us through some of these strongholds that we come up against. That doesn't mean we have a lack of faith uh, that we're some more sinner or anything like that. Um, I think counseling is a great way that God or a great tool that God gives us to help us overcome. And lastly, I would say prayer. Again, you're going to hear me say that a lot in this interview. I'm such a huge proponent of prayer because I really do believe that God uses that to, to change us and to heal us. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Well, you have written a study uh, Mm -hmm. on this topic called images of his beauty. Mm -hmm. And you wrote that for women with these same struggles What is your hope for readers after they read that study? Okay, two things mainly. Uh, One, I pray that um, the readers, the people that go through images of his beauty, that they will find their ultimate healing 
and hope in Christ. Again, by drawing their identity, that's some of the things that we look at in the study, by drawing their identity, finding their strength to overcome and heal their worth in his opinion, in Christ's opinion, and in his word. And really, this study is a great companion to anyone who maybe is going to therapy or is going to counseling. Because as you know, Rachel, our, we are more than just emotions. We have a mind. We have um, a spirit and a soul. And so we need to seek to talk to and heal all parts of who we are. And so again, counseling and therapy are great. And so I just simply wrote uh, this study to be the spiritual piece to help, you know, bring healing to the spiritual parts of who we are. And so that's my first hope is that women, of course, would find ultimate healing and hope in Christ. Secondly, I pray then that as a result of going through this study, that these women would then seek to help others who struggle with eating disorders or who struggle with their self-image or their self-worth, that these women would realize that their life, that their ministry is not over because they struggled in this way. You know, that they're more than the diagnosis, that they're a daughter of the king first and foremost, no matter what that struggle may look like, no matter where that struggle has taken them and that God still has a purpose for their life. And the other women, you know, who are struggling in that same way, they need these same truths so that they in turn can overcome and find hope and healing in Christ as well. Well, you are also passionate about helping women become who and what God wants them to be. What would you say is our true identity and purpose in Christ? I would say our true identity in Jesus Christ is that we are beloved children of God, period. That we are beloved children of God, that we are, Rachel, forgiven, that we are set free through our faith in Jesus Christ and the saving work that he did on the cross. I really believe that, you know, we're not just teachers. We're not just podcasters. We're not just writers or cooks or whatever. We are first and foremost, beloved children of God, forgiven and set free through the saving work of Jesus Christ. And I believe that our purpose would be simply found in the greatest commandment. I know you probably know this guys, but it's Matthew 22 verses 36 through 40. That we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and then to love others, you know, through the good works. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 talks about those, but that we're to then love others through the good works that he has prepared for us. That is our purpose. You have recently released a book called A Redesigned Life, and it is a book to uncover God's purpose when life doesn't go as planned. And you describe yourself as a redesigner. What does this term mean to you? Sure. A real redesigner. So one who actually does this for a living um, uses what people already own. So the possessions that they already have around their house to simply redecorate their home, to give it a facelift, to give it uh, a new look. And this is mentioned in my book, but before I actually went into women's ministry, Rachel, I was an interior designer out in the real world doing interior design. And so this book then is emerging of the interior design part of who I am with a Bible teacher, theology lover part of who I am. And so one of the things that I would do is really redesign people's homes. But once God called me into the ministry, I thought, oh my gosh, he's calling me into a different kind of of interior design. It looks a whole lot like redesigning the interior spaces of women's hearts with his truths, you know, and renewing our minds with his truths and helping women then. So whenever we redesign or become a redesigner, we are helping others to live out God's designs 
for their own lives. You know, the very existence of HGTV, the DIY movement and Pinterest, I think proves that we all love mm-hmm. great design. Mm-hmm. You know, we adore plans and perfectly staged rooms, but what happens when we discover we are living a life that we did not design? When our dreams lie in tatters or when we experience loss of any kind? What happens when life feels like one big Pinterest fail? Where is God in the midst of what doesn't make sense? Does he care? So those, that's all from, um, those are your words, mm-hmm. not mine. Mm-hmm. So what is your response to women listening who may feel this way? Yeah. And that is really why I wrote A Redesign Life are these questions, because I kept hearing them come up over and over and over because Jesus love and women were not you know, always knowing what is going to happen. And we do plan and we do pray. And sometimes God, (laughs) it's not going to happen the way that we think. And so we may wonder, where is God? Does he care? And so I would say then to women who are thinking this or feeling this, that I hear you, that you are not alone in feeling or in thinking these ways, but there is hope, ladies, because we have a God in heaven, period. We have a God in heaven who hears us. And so while we may wobble in our faith and ask these questions, I want you to know that God never wobbles on us. He will never give up. He will never back away, no matter what happens in this life that comes along or shocks or surprises us. And this is because God is in complete control. This is because God is sovereign over everything that happens because he's already designed for it and already knows he's never shocked or surprised like we are. So if we want then to find contentment or hope, or or if we're wanting discernment or maybe to know why, and here's the thing, sometimes ladies, we're not going to know why this side of heaven, but if we want to grow in wisdom or understanding or attempt to know why, then we've got to keep our focus on God and remain seeking him in prayer or in, uh, you know, community with other godly women or in reading his words that we can find hope, that we can find strength, that we can find peace as we do indeed live out these lives that we did not design. So we will talk about that in the book. For the woman feeling frustrated or discontented, you write that we have the assurance that God is their ever-present, caring designer. How has God remained true to his plans and purpose in your own life? Oh, there's there's just so many examples. I could be a whole nother interview, Rachel. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we could just go on and on. Um, but you know, I love, and I know y'all probably know this verse, but Jeremiah 29, 11. Don't we love this verse where it says that God yes. has plans to give us a hope and a future? And so I can think back so many things where God has given, always met my basic needs. Now notice I said basic needs and not like the mansion in Malibu that I wish I had <laughs> or, right? or the perfect skin or the perfect children yeah. or the perfect, whatever, you know, the perfect cast, like the basic needs that I have ever, he's always found a way, Rachel, to make those happen. I mean, he has open doors that I thought there's no way this is going to happen, but he's also closed doors or, you know, things I thought, Hey, I don't, I don't understand why you're closing this door. Why I didn't get to marry that guy or, you know, whatever. But he's always been faithful to show me, oh, it's because Chad Steele was coming. Oh, because I had another job that's coming. And he's always connected me with the right people or provided, you know, the right education or what have you. And the things that have happened, 
they have given me hope when I thought that there was no hope. And all of the things that he says, Rachel, in his word, that he will do this or he will do that or whatever, it's, they've all come true. He's been faithful, you know, um, whereas a lot of people I've met, you know, it's, it's the reverse has been true. And so that's why I, I do believe that he is a faithful God, because in all these little ways that, again, would take me hours to unpack, he has always shown up and provided exactly what I needed. How do we embrace our sometimes or always mm-hmm. messy lives, mm-hmm. especially when they're the ones that we would have never designed for ourselves? I think it comes down to, to three things, really. I think, number one, we need to be honest about the mess. I kind of talked about that earlier. I was talking about moving all the time and trying to stuff it and or, you know, put a little meme or, hey, Romans 828, all things work. You know what? Sometimes we don't feel like all things are working to the good. Okay. You know, and and that's not, he doesn't want us to be these fake, shiny, happy Christians. That's, that's not what we need. That's not what the world that is lost needs to see, Rachel. We've got to be honest about the mess so we can deal with all the feelings that surround it and start to work through it. Secondly, then we've got to invite God into the mess. Because again, our tendency when we are questioning and all these things is to push him away. Okay. And well, you can, (laughs) you can, and I can, but that's not really going to bring healing or hope or peace or any of those things into, you know, the mix. We've got to invite God in so that he can, can help us and we can release that um, to him. And thirdly, then we've got to ask God and others to help us embrace this mess and help us through. I'm a big proponent on community. I do not believe based on the Trinity where God was with the father and the son and the Holy Spirit, they were all together like forever. I mean, they're outside of time. So they've just always existed in community. And I think how we can embrace it is allowing community that is safe, that is godly, that we can trust around us too, so that we can get through it. Um, You know, before we started interviewing our interview today, Rachel, I talked to you about um, the last couple months and what they have been like for me. Um, Some of your listeners that follow me on social media will know this, but I was in a car wreck in October that I walked away from that car wreck with a concussion, with whiplash, with nerve damage in my spine and shoulder. And, you know, that was not what I had planned for you know my October, right. November and December. I was on bed rest for seven weeks. Um, I was slurring my speech. I lost memory. Um, my little girl came up with her third grade homework and said, mommy, what, six times seven? And I had no clue. And, you know, weeks before I had just released a redesigned life. I had speaking engagements that were booked that I had to fly to. I was the keynote speaker. I had press interviews. I mean, I was kind of at the top of my game. I was on cloud nine. You know, I had just reached this huge milestone for God. And within a day or two, here comes this car wreck and I'm flat on my back and I can't talk and I don't know what day it is. And I was literally on bed rest without computers, without being able to read, without being able to read my Bible. And I was like, God, what? I don't understand this. You know, here I am again in the middle of this huge mess that I did not create, by the way. Someone hit my car. Okay, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go out asking for this car wreck. This is not the way my life is supposed to go. And y'all, I got to be honest, I, even as a Bible teacher, even as someone who loves God with everything in me, I was discouraged. I was upset. I was fearful. You know, all of these things just kind of hit me. But now, you know, here we are out all these months later, and I am trusting God to redeem these things. I am trusting that I needed those seven weeks, I guess, of bed rest in the middle of what was supposed to be an exciting and a fruitful season because I trust God's sovereignty 
because he is the master designer. And I had to be honest again with him about the mess. I had to invite him into the mess. I had to ask the community that I know and love and trust to help me through it. And guess what? God has shown up. You know, he has given me hope again. He has given me energy to even come and interview with you. And look, I can remember words right now, you know, and look what God God has done to bless me with this interview with me, you know? And so that is how I try to embrace the messy. I'm honest about it. I'm inviting God into it. And then I'm asking others to help me through it. And guess what? I'm going to do it because my God is faithful. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I know it's, it's, um, yeah, it, we're, you're living out your faith mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you mentioned earlier that you were an interior designer. Yeah. And so throughout the book, you creatively utilize those design principles that you learned, such as movement, mm-hmm. emphasis, pattern, contrast, and balance. So would you briefly share with us how you've applied each of these principles to um, your own Christian life and how we can apply them to ours. Sure. I'd be glad to. So yeah, as you said, the book is set up around these six different design principles, because as a, as a real interior designer out in the corporate world, I would go into a space and there are a set of principles that I would use to guide the different decisions that I would make to create a beautiful and a functional space for my clients. And so when I started thinking about how God redesigns us through car wrecks and through, you know, different things, right? Kids melting and all these weird seasons and shocks that we go through. I started thinking about, does he use maybe some of these same set of principles to redesign our hearts and our homes? And he sure does, Rachel. And so these are the six principles that I relate not only to the real world of interior design, and I do give you practical tips in in the book on how to redesign your homes, but these are the same principles that God uses in a spiritual sense in a relational sense to redesign us as well. And so the first one then is movement and movement happens whenever we face rejection or surprise. I've talked about the car wreck. That's definitely a form of movement for sure that God is using to redirect the eyes of our hearts back onto him, the intended focal point of our life. So that's movement. The second principle is that of emphasis and emphasis I talk about is, is when we simply use our God given or our unique pops of color. Okay. Sometimes we call these spiritual gifts, Rachel, but for the book, we're calling them our pops of color, right? To love and to serve those around us. And so God then is going to use things like sanctification to grow and to stretch and to mature us so that the specifics of our emphasis, the specifics of our pops of color will shine so that the eyes of those around us can be drawn back to guess what? The focal point, which is not us, but God himself. The next principle then is that of pattern. I think we all know what patterns are, right, girls? We've got them all over our houses. Patterns are always my funnest thing to use as a designer. But anyway, pattern is simply when God uses repetition in our lives. Okay, anybody see that happening, right? When things come up over and over again to catch our attention, to teach us, to help us remember who he is and what he desires for our life. I like to say in the book, whenever you see a pattern, you better start praying, okay? Because it's there for a reason. The next principle is that of contrast. And contrast, this is another fun one, it simply occurs whenever God brings people and circumstances, get this ladies, into our life that are opposite. Okay, of of us or opposite of what we'd hope for in order to help us see him again or ourselves more clearly. 
The next uh, principle is that of balance. And balance is evident uh, when everything in our heart and everything in our relationships looks and feels right. Because get this, if there is something negative going on in any of these areas, God is going to allow us to feel off balance or wobbly, if you will, inside so that we can then fix whatever is off and restore balance or harmony in our relationship, not only with him, but with those around us. Because when life falls apart, that's a perfect time for us to become wobbly, isn't it? And to become off balance. So we're going to talk about that. And then the last principle is that of space. And the principle of space is present whenever loss and grief leave a hole in our hearts, because that's what loss does, doesn't it? And so God then is is going to use space, the principle of space, to give us permission to pause, to reevaluate, and to ultimately draw our attention back onto what is positive. And guess what that is? God Himself and the hope that we have in Him. Ah, such good principles. And it makes so much sense the way you describe each of them. And actually, one of your most impactful quotes that I have read says this Our grief with its accompanying anger, depression, and fear can feel like it is Lord over us. Be encouraged, for it is not. God is sovereign and Lord over all of these things. God then uses loss like an artist uses negative space to give us permission to pause, reevaluate, and ultimately draw our attention back to what is positive, God himself and the hope that we have in him. How has this quote proven true in your own life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last couple chapters are, are definitely my favorite because they talk about my mom. Um, so her name was Roxy, but we people that again know me know we call her Foxy Roxy. <laughs> so, there you go. But my mom, Foxy Roxy, uh, passed away from breast cancer, uh, Rachel, years ago after battling it for over a decade. Um, it was quite a trial that our family walked through. And so she was my biggest cheerleader, uh, one of my closest friends. We were very close. And so as you can imagine, um, her death left quite a hole in my heart. And I think loss of any kind, maybe uh, it's someone that we love, or maybe it's a loss of a dream or loss of a job, loss of any kind. As I, as I talk about, it does that it leaves a hole in our hearts, but through the grief that I've experienced through again, allowing God to come in and to feel to fill, excuse me, that hole, if you will, I've experienced more of who he is, more of his comfort, more of that blessedness. Again, that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter five, more of his comfort. He has filled me with all of this, that hope to know that her, her death was not for naught, that Jesus prayed that price so that she could be saved, right? That death is not the final say. And as I say in my book, grief, it may feel like it is Lord over us, but it is not For our God is sovereign and he is Lord over all of these things. And so as he's been filling me, I've been able then to, and it's been my honor to come around other women who have lost their moms. See, that's, that's not by mistake that God has intersected me with all these people over and over again that have lost children or what have you. And we talk and we share about this grief and I'm able to pour in to them that same hope, that same comfort um, that God has given me, but I could not be who I am today. I don't think that the book could be what it it was without having to lose my mom first. And so I don't understand why he had to. I mean, she was a godly woman. She served in the church. I mean, you know, she was so kind and caring. I've had all these whys, Rachel. Why her? And I think, again, that is very normal, ladies, for us to ask those things whenever we experience grief. Why? And again, sometimes God may show us. And again, I think, you know, part of it was for the book. 
for, for my ministry to be able to do what I'm able to do now, I had to lose her first. Does that make sense? And so that's why I think grief is such a great thing. I get so tired of seeing society say, just numb out to the grief, just over medicate. I think medication is great, but I'm saying over medicate. So you never feel any pain. And I disagree with that. I think pain, again, as we've talked about also earlier in the interview, it has a purpose. It is a great teacher. It is a beautiful thing. I say it's maybe not the funnest But I would argue it's going to be one of our most finest seasons if we allow God in there, into that grief again, and allow it to change us for the better. Yeah. Yeah. God definitely gives us our emotions for a reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am sort of springing this question on you. This season, um, I'm asking my guests who has loved them well. Mm. And so as you mentioned, your mom, Foxy Roxy, and you don't have to use her as your answer, but I'm just wondering who first comes to mind for you? Like who has loved you well Mm -hmm. in your life Mm -hmm. and and how have they loved you well? Uh, My husband would obviously be the next person that comes to mind because, um, you know, he definitely is, is the head of our home. He's, you know, leads in so many great, great ways, but he also sacrifices for me. He allows me to follow my dreams. He just listens without judgment and he always points me back to God. Um, So I would definitely say my husband um, closely after him would definitely be some of my closest girlfriends who love Jesus because they are so tight to Jesus and they are so in prayer and they are so in his word that guess what just spills out of them more Jesus, more Jesus. And they love me without judgment. They extend grace. They laugh at me and with me like we talked about, you know, and where they're always pointing me back to the focal point, which is God himself. And so again, when you ask me that, my husband and those girls, because they, they, again, they're like Foxy Roxy, the common denominator out of all of these people is a deep, deep abiding love in Christ because they are so close to him that they cannot help be him to me. They're like, you know, his physical arms, you know, when I need them or his physical voice when I need them or his wisdom when I need them. So... Oh, so good. And Tracy, it spills out of you as well. I just want you to know that. Thank you. So I I know that after listening to your episode, listeners are going to want to keep in contact with you. So would you tell us first how they can do that? And then maybe just share some of the resources or things that you're working on currently. Sure. Um, The best way to first uh, make contact would be go to my website. So that's just simply Tracy M steel.com. So tracymsteel.com. From there, you can find me on all the different social media outlets. Again, being an extrovert, I love to connect and comment and, and like and, you know, interact with my, my followers on social media. So my handle for Instagram and Twitter is just simply the at Tracy M. Steel again. And on Facebook, I'm Tracy M. Steel Ministries. So you can find me in any of those ways. Please feel free to shoot me an email. I love to pray. I love to encourage. I really am just an extrovert in an introvert writing world. <laughs> so I love to hear. Seriously, I love to hear it from you all. And then uh, my book, A Redesigned Life, Uncovering God's Purpose Whenever Life Doesn't Go As Planned. It's available for sale anywhere books are sold um, online at Amazon.com, uh, Christian Book Distributors, Barnes and Noble. I believe Target was carrying it for a while. Um, So you can order the book there as well as images of his beauty as well. And then really, you know, I'm kind of at that crossroads where I 
think I have an idea for book two. Um, so, you know, I can't really say yet what that is publicly, but we're starting to pray on that and, um, you know, kind of move forward. And I'm just continuing to do um, guest blogs all over and podcasts all over and speak all over and just love my family and my, my people, Rachel. So thanks so much for having me. Uh, thank you for being here. I, I just uh, adore you as a person and um, you just, you're encouraging and inspiring and joyful. And um, I just hope and pray that as listeners listen to your episode, that they also learn to trust in God's design. God bless you, Tracy. Thank you. Same to you, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Tracy Steele. You all, she is just so filled with joy and faith. And I don't know about you, but I believe in God as my master designer, that no matter what we are going through, that we can trust that his plans are for our best. If you're interested in today's show notes, you can head on over to Rachel Adams author on Instagram or on Facebook or to my website at Rachel K Adams. Be sure to also follow Tracy at Tracy M Steele. Next week, I have Holly Girth as my guest. She is the author of Strong, Brave, Loved. We're going to be talking about moving past fear, discouragement, and insecurity and taking the next step toward courage, grace, and God-given confidence together. I hope you'll make plans to tune in then. Have a great week and remember to always lead with love.